Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by Marsha Earhart. She is a grief and trauma coach, and she is also the founder of Sterling Rose Sanctuary. Marsha, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Curtis, for having me. I appreciate it. Can you start off by telling everybody who Marsha Earhart is, anything about you that you might want people to know? Well, I'm a mom of five kids. I have a husband and I homeschooled for 20 four years and uh, in the same time have had just the ability to continue to learn and grow in my life and to take my trials and the testimonies of life and allow for it to be a testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness and being able to reach back to others who have walked a journey. Speaking of reach back to others, what got you into helping people with their grief? Well, I think, I think uh, Curtis, that sometimes in life we're kind of chosen uh, for the path that we are on instead of choosing it. And so I had a, an enormous amount of loss growing up and had just a sense of great compassion and empathy for other people and went into counseling and teaching in college and used both of those things within my life and around almost seven years ago, it's been six and a half years ago, we lost our oldest son uh, to a tragic car accident. And that is what kind of took me from the counseling aspect of life into the coaching and into the grief and the trauma and life coaching and mediating. And just in the fall of last year, we actually uh, had the loss, a tragic loss of our second oldest son who was murdered. So uh, there's so many people out there that have had tragic losses of a child, sibling or grandchild, and to take and allow for my experience to be able to take the hand of someone else and to walk alongside of them in the journey, um, it's, it's quite an honor to me. So that's really what took me into the places, I believe, where we are now. But it's been a journey to get here. Can you describe the stages of grief? Um, what I would like to say is I, I don't agree that there are stages. I think each of us have certain areas of a grief that are uh, more maybe our area to struggle through or to deal with. And I can't say that we all go through because we don't. We don't all go through the stages. But I think shock definitely when we find out something of the nature that either someone's lost or tragic news of an event in our life, there is shock. And so I think all of us experience the shock. As far as denial or anger um, and, you know, bargaining, I don't, I, I didn't hit some of those. Um, mine was really uh, working through with just resolve. And that's one of the things that in the process of what in my own journey, because I think we kind of have this idea, well, I haven't had anger or I haven't had bargaining. 
Um, so something must be wrong with me or we feel guilty. And what I love to say to people is uh, grief is very specific to you. Your journey is not going to look like anyone else's journey and that's okay. And we want to give room for people to have that journey and with taking away that place where guilt could be in the way. Because I do think guilt is one of the, the most common uh, denominators for most people that are grieving. Can you explain the difference between grieving and mourning? Yes. Uh, with the grieving, grieving is the internal aspect of what we feel in a sense of loss. The mourning is the external, outward expression of what we are already feeling internally. And it's extremely important for people to allow for that which is inside to come outside. And so we can say, well, how does, how does that work? Well, you can run, jog, work out, do meditation, have quiet time, listen to music, do art therapy, journal. They're, they're external manifestations of what's going on internally. That is a way to mourn. Express yourself in, in talking and really telling the story because we heal in the process when we've experienced loss and grief we heal through the process of telling our story and it it starts becoming um we become aware of the fact that it is real that this is the reality we're, we're in and I even tell people it's important to kind of talk those things out loud to yourself because the more you say it, the more it resonates and the more capable you are to apply the tools and the resources to help your healing. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. Yeah. Can you, can you describe your, pro, your process of helping someone when they come to you after, after a loss? Absolutely. I think uh, first of all, we kind of look at the face of grief. And I think, you know, the face of grief, which I have, I do acronyms, a lot of acronyms, because when people are in grief, our minds are, we get exhausted, it's, we get confused, and we feel overwhelmed. So we need little bits of chunks, little segments of things. So face, um, the F in it is, is kind of the fear, the frustration, the struggle, um, even having to deal with forgiveness. So we want to look at those areas. We, we want to look at the A, which is the anxiety that this loss and this grief can cause. We want to look at maybe the anger, maybe aggression that we're feeling, or quite often, sometimes we just may become apathetic because we are so overwhelmed or, or ambivalent in, in what we're feeling because to try and decipher becomes very, um, exhausting. And then the, the C in the face of grief would be that confusion, maybe contempt, um, just feeling um, really, I would say, uh, on edge of, of our ability to even communicate effectively. So we, we look at how are you communicating? Are you able to do those things? And then the E of grief would be the emptiness that we feel, the overwhelming sense of emptiness, and um, even sometimes embarrassment, because 
maybe the situation that happened we feel is is embarrassing to have to share and so we look at that face of grief and we talk about those very specific issues and areas and what i love for people to do curtis is to identify from their lens those things that may be triggering or maybe surfacing and then we talk about um, a plan of action of how to deal with, how to process those emotions and feelings in, in ways that are healthy. So we have another aspect uh, in our, and in the sanctuary. And when my first son passed, one of the ways that I found healing was dancing. I loved going dancing. It, was very cathartic for me and my husband and I, we would go out and I just told him, I said, it's just, it's, it, I get in my head space of just allowing that music to resonate within me and, and evoke a feeling of, of joy and happiness where I'm living, I'm, I'm actually living. And so I'm, as, as the years went and processing came and as we were doing this, we came up with the dance acronym, how to dance through grief. And grief is, we, it, grief is a dance. One minute you and I can be talking and I may be perfectly fine and laughing and the next minute I could just be a puddle crying because of the fact that something just triggered or resonated with me and just overwhelmed my senses to where I'm now in tears because that loss is just so profound and I'm feeling it in that moment. Now, I don't, Curtis, I don't know your experience, but have you ever felt that in your own life? Yes, I have felt that a lot of times in my life. And, and I think that is something that we share and in common as, as we're journeying this life. And so to dance literally and figuratively, to really go out and get out and do movement and enjoy, to, to, in, to allow yourself and give yourself the ability to do that. And then the figurative part is that it is an ebb and flow. Grief is ebb and flow. The sense of loss we feel in this moment, it's, it's an ebb and flow in the intensity of the pain that we feel. The A in dance would be that we need to address each one of those feelings in the sense of accepting that this is what I'm feeling right now. I may not be feeling that three hours from now, but I'm feeling this right now. And to enter in that space and allow myself to move through that, because if I don't, then I prevent my own aspect of healing. And in order for us to heal when we have had any loss in our life, and we are grieving is that we have to enter in the process of being healed. It will not happen on its own, uh, which brings up the in in dance. It's to nourish your soul. And we need to find, and we try to help our clients find those things that are nourishing to them because what might be nourishing to me may not be nourishing to you. So we find those things and we do have stuff that we suggest that will be nourishment, but then they can pick and choose through those things what is most helpful to them, what would 
at the and, and it may change. You may find that journaling is very helpful in the early days of a, a new loss that you've experienced. And as you go through the months, all of a sudden you may, you know, turn to something else where art would be something so much more therapeutic because you're able to express it through a different modality. And our desire is to help people in the continuum to work through and walk through that grief to, because we will never get over the loss. No one's ever going to get over the loss of someone that's been in their life. And, and quite frankly, I don't want to get over the loss of someone who's been in my life. I want to value that person in my life, but to honor and respect and celebrate them in a way that I also am living and being a part of this life. Part of nourishing the soul is also eating well. We call it clean eating in the sanctuary. When we have experienced a trauma, we have a propensity to sometimes not eat the things that are good for us. We turn to the carbs and the sugar and we just, that makes us feel worse. We, we're kind of drowning ourselves in, in a way in, in something that really can be as harmful to us as you know just inactivity so we really encourage and it's interesting because again when i lost my first son i i i've always had a milkshake every day that i'm going to tell you right now that's a little something everybody here will get me. i've always loved having a milkshake and i could not have one curtis uh it made me physically sick i i could not the sugar was just it, it made me sick, just touching my throat and I, I couldn't. So I started eating salads and eating, you know, nuts and eating protein. And I just did not have sweets for a very long time. And what I feel the Lord was showing me is that it's important to maintain, if we, if we nourish our soul and we nourish our body, then we can nourish mentally and physically and emotionally the overall health of our body. So we have to make good choices when we're nourishing our soul. Um, and part of nourishing the soul is really finding ways to meditate and to uh, bring healing to your spirit. And for me, I'm a very strong Christian. So for me, I read the word of God and it resonates within me and it renews my mind and it brings forth life in my in my soul in the brokenness of what i'm feeling i mean in, in this life and i feel that because of the word i can see beauty again so again we want to encourage our people to find those things that are so healing and that are nourishing to them and then the sea and um, our dancing, our dance with grief would be to celebrate the beauty and the broken. And people go, well, what in the heck does that mean? Well, we live in a broken life. We entered this world broken. And there's still beauty surrounding us in the brokenness of this life. And we're going to continue to have things in this life that break our hearts, that impact us, and we are broken. So... I want to know how to incorporate the beauty in that broken. And we encourage people to get out in nature because if we can get outside and we can just get away from the inside area that we've been in and we can listen to that bird and we can see that flower in bloom and we can take a walk and we can just start 
breathing in the crisp air, we can start seeing a beauty again because in our life and what we have heard from other families, when someone loses a child, color goes out of their life. And part of the sanctuary is to remove people from the triggers that they're in so that they can have a respite and that they can have a sense of healing. And we want our people to, again, have a reset and to be able to have a place where they can release their pain and they can resolve maybe some relational issues that they may have had with that person who's gone or relational issues with people within their family that have been fractured and maybe strained during the process. And then lastly, you know, for them to reconnect relationally in the part of that celebrating of the beauty and the broken. We want to find that beauty again in the relationships we've had and the places that we go. And that's not going to be all at once. That's going to take time and you have to have the ability to, in your, to be willing to walk through the process and not rush it. I think, unfortunately, because we live in a culture that shies away from dealing with their pain and their grief and everything's so instantaneous, we get upset when we're having to feel this sense of loss in us because we want it to instantly be dealt with and we want to be over it. And I feel like for shows like yours to be able to have this conversation where people can know it's okay. And what I'm feeling, it's normal. And everyone's going to feel this and I'm, I'm okay. And I need to give myself permission to grieve this loss in my life because quite often people don't Curtis, they don't give themselves permission and it, it stunts their ability to have any hope and healing within their life. So the last um, letter in dance would be the E. And we talked a little bit about uh, this, um, but it's evolving into the new you. And people go, what do you mean? Well, the people that we were when my first son passed, um, we're not those people anymore. And we're not the people we were when my second son was murdered last year. We're not those people we died to who we were in that moment when we learned the news each one of those times. And so we have to start that journey again of evolving into the new person that we are. And it's giving yourself grace. It's being okay with that person's no longer. And I look at it and I go, I'm really thankful I was that person though. And I'm thankful that I got to be that person around this individual whom I love dearly. So that's how we kind of dance with grief. What do you feel is the difference between getting through and getting over a loss? There's no such thing as getting over. Uh, getting through is having the tools and the resources that help you manage the pain and the the loss that you feel. And I would hope as a culture that we would come to a place where we would understand that we don't use that verbiage where you just kind of need to get over it. Um, 
based on who people are and how they do life and depending on the kind of loss and the kind of grief that is going on, uh, a better way to say something to someone is, how can I help you process and walk through this? And I think if we did that, we would see more people um, making themselves vulnerable to friends and family because they're not feeling judged and condemned that they haven't dealt with something in two to three months or five months, or even if it's a year and a half. Now, with that being said, there are things that, um, again, we have to re-engage in life. It's very important for us to gauge in the people's lives that are around us. And having had children, more children, um, I really wanted to engage with my children who were still living and, but process um, the, the grave loss in my own life, the gravity of that loss. And so it's, we weren't, I haven't, we didn't hide, I didn't hide my, my feelings and emotions, but I do love the scripture verse that talks about that we're to rejoice with those who are we rejoicing and we are to mourn with those who are mourning. And if my kids or friends were having a celebration of some sort, we wanted to enter in their rejoicing and that time with them because yes, I was experiencing a loss and this loss is going to be with me, but that didn't need to go over into their situation. And I think that it's important that we understand that I had people who were grieving with me and I appreciated those friends that came alongside and my family that loved me well, but I also wanted to love them well and their celebrations. So as a culture, we have to kind of learn how to, I think to incorporate that again, because most people I find are not comfortable with feelings of sadness and feelings of loss and it and so let's get comfortable because we're going to be walking this out till you know we too pass so we need to learn to get comfortable with those things what other types of coaching do you do besides the loss of a person i do life coaching and uh, i do trauma coaching uh, and I do, and within the grief, we do grief coaching with a various lineage of grief, not just the grief, the grief that one's having over a person, but right now COVID thrust us into a grief pandemic. We've been working with people uh, through this process, talking with them, giving them tools and skills and resources to overcome anxiety, depression. And now I believe, Curtis, that it's kind of thrust us into a fatigue pandemic. Everybody's exhausted because there just doesn't seem to be an end and and they're just exhausted with, you know, life in the way that it is. So how do we continue to uh, live victoriously and um, not allow for the circumstances to weigh down on us? So we work through that. And then I mediate. I am a mediator, certified mediator. And so we use those tools and skills to mediate relationships with people. And then I also, in one of our modalities, we do something called heart sync, 
which actually helps people uh, synchronize their heart that, because, you know, when we are in this life, we're just very desynchronized. And it's one of the many tools that we have within the Sterling Rose Sanctuary to help people with that uh, coming back into a place of oneness uh, within themselves, because we can be just have so much from emotions and just our guardedness that can separate and fracture us. And our desire in the Sterling Rose Sanctuary is to find the elements that build a bridge in your life to strengthen you instead of the barriers that want to come in and take over when we have had the fracturing of grief. And, and it's not just one fracture because that one fracture goes into multiple little fractures. So if we've ever, if you've ever looked at a fractured, anything fractured underneath the microscope, you may see a little hairline, but then you'll see lots of little, little parts coming off of that. And that's what happens uh, when we uh, go through a difficult trial in our life, a hardship and a loss. What is the average amount of time that you work with clients? For each person, it's different. We've worked with, um, there've been a few people that we have worked with, I would say just two or three weeks in the sense of being present. But then when I say that, then later down the line, they've called and they've talked because I, I think in increments when we're grieving, we're, we are available, we allow ourselves to have someone speak in it in an increment. So we've been there right when a child has passed at the very beginning, and we've walked with families from that. And so to put a time frame, I don't like to do that because I still talk to several of those people, check in with them. Um, sometimes on the anniversary dates of the loss of someone, I will send out a note just letting them know I'm thinking of them. I may give a phone call and just say, hey, I just would like to know. Um, I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you today and just share with them. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important because it, you, you kind of just brought that into my mind. One of the things I hated being asked and every parent who's lost a child hates being asked is, when they're grieving is how are you today? Uh, for anybody who's had loss, I've, I've actually taken this further to other people. And they're like, yeah, I don't like that. And I said, so when I was going through uh, this initially, I remember coming in contact with a lady and she said, so where are you today from one to five? And that's been my go-to ever since. When I talk to someone, I'll just say, so how, what's your day been like from one to five? Where are you today? Are you up here? Are you down here? And then that way they can say, I'm a five, I'm a three, I'm a one, it really sucks. And it gives you a basis. But the reality is we, if we we're going through a loss, the, we're not doing well. So there's no point for you to ask me that question where we are just doing. Does that make sense? We're just doing. Yep, it makes sense. And for people out there who might be in the need of your services, just kind of give a brief overview of who Sterling Rose Sanctuary is and do you do nationwide or just local and any contact information if somebody would like to get in touch with you? Okay, we are, yes, we're nationwide, we're everywhere. We are a 501c3. This was a nonprofit birthed out of the loss of our son, Sterling. 
at 21 years old. We have uh, been providing these resources since probably about a year and a half after he passed. And we established our sanctuary in 2017. And it is on www.thesterlingrosesanctuary.us. And we have a phone number as well, which is 239-571-6662. And our services are um, free and we work by donations only because we never want anyone to feel like that they are being taken advantage of. Unfortunately, too many people take advantage of people that are grieving. So all of um, our expenses are by donations only. And Curtis, we're actually in the process of fundraising where we are trying to get the money to get a physical house where people would be able to come and stay three to five days and have the services and the resources that we've talked about one-on-one -on -one where now my husband and I would not stay in that house, but we would go and we would be there at designated times to work through some of those things. And we've got some really amazing rooms for healing and just the whole, I, just the property itself is going to be a healing place. So we offer services uh, from, I mean, anything that you're feeling anxiety and stress, because we've been working with people since COVID over all things. Um, but our main lens is to really be with these families who have had the loss of a child, sibling, and grandchild, because I'm not aware that the audience is knowledgeable. But since COVID, the suicide rate and the drug overdose rate has absolutely increased to the point that if you add the two up, they have, they equal as much as the COVID losses in the U.S., which is staggering. And we need to be aware that this has caused a lot of mental health uh, problems, and we want to be present for anyone who's in need of this, Curtis. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to mention before we close? Well, I, I think that we just need to know that it is normal for our earthly journey to be about adversity and struggle. Um, but we are called continually to um, a faithful endurance when that suffering slaps us across the face and we can do it. We do have the ability to do it and we want to be those people to cheer you on and to be there to support you. So I just hope that your audience, when they listen to this, that they walk away, that it's not impossible to come through with tools and strategies and resources to where we feel joy again, because we can. Ladies and gentlemen, Marsha Earhart. Marsha, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Curtis, thank you so much for having me today. What a joy. I appreciate it. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.